Well, good morning, Cross Point. I, I don't know about you, but I had no idea Darren possessed those type of skills on a bicycle, right? I mean, it's just, you never, you never truly know people, right? Hey, it is a privilege to be with you this morning. What a great crowd we have assembled here today. Uh, and, and it's been an incredible time of worship thus far. Wouldn't you agree? Amen. You know, this day is, is just like every other Sunday in which we have an opportunity to come together as a corporate body of believers in lifting up and worshiping our God in spirit and truth. Uh, my name's Brad Godwin, for those of you who may not know me. Uh, my wife and I, Lisa, we are here. Uh, we are partners here at Cross Point along with you. It's a great blessing and honor for us to, to partner with you in reaching the community. Uh, we have the privilege of leading a life group out of our home in Hayhara. Uh, specifically for me, I, I'm blessed to be on the, the shepherding team and, and serve in, in that capacity as well. Um, but we, like you, we love Cross Point Church. Amen? Is it not a blessing to be a part of a faith family like this? Yes. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm not David, right? Uh, that's because David is, is not here this morning. He and Michael and about 60 other individuals have been making their way back from Chicago, uh, that was alluded to on the Indian video, video earlier. Uh, we've had a group that's been there working all weekend with a church called Reborn Church. It's in um, Garfield Park, which is a community in the um, greater Chicago area, one of the toughest, most challenged communities in that entire area. And we've had a team that's been there serving along with, uh, with Jamie Parker and his church, Reborn Church, there and just ministering to the needs of those in that community and sharing the love of Christ. We were in a, uh, had a devotional early on and, and someone mentioned that, um, you know, some feedback that uh, someone had provided was that those that were engaging others there, our team, their directive was quite simply to tell others that Jesus loves them, right? There is no message that's more powerful than that. So that team has been traveling back uh, through the night. They should be arriving back if they haven't already. Um, so please just keep them in your mind, but keep this ministry, Reborn Church, in your prayers uh, as well. Don't forget, as we saw in the note, today is bumper bag day. So thank you if you've had an opportunity to bring um, groceries and supplies for that ministry. It's a tremendous ministry that is able to minister to the physical needs of many individuals in our community, but above that, to minister them spiritually as well. Uh, today, uh, uh, the marketplace will be taking place at 1.30. So if you still would like to bring items for that ministry, you can up until now. Keep in mind, though, if, if you have specific needs um, or you know of others that have specific needs, um, please be here at 1.30 uh, as well. Uh, this, this, this week, we are partnering with Valdosta One Lunch, which is an incredible ministry that provides lunches to school-aged children while they are out for the summer, providing them nourishment that they wouldn't otherwise get um, without... Um, this incredible ministry um, that provides that to them. One final thing to bring to your attention, um, we start a new sermon series in two weeks, right? This has been an incredible sermon series. We're going to continue that. Don't waste your summer today. But in two weeks, we'll start a new sermon series, the 9th of August. I hope I'm right with that date, in which we will be really focusing through that series on what we're about here at Cross Point. Obviously, we're approaching school time and that time to find our fall routine uh, and kind of uh, from the flexibility that we've been experiencing through the summer. Um, but please make plans to be here for that series. Make it part of your fall routine. 
I can tell you it, it is going to be a tremendously exciting um, series to, to be a part of. So today, don't waste your summer. Let's pick up where we were last week. Now, through this series, right, this has been a series in which we have looked at various disciplines of the Christian life or as followers of Christ. We started off with what I could categorize as inward disciplines, right? Those disciplines of meditation and prayer and regularly getting into God's word. And then last week, David talked to us about the discipline of gathering, coming together corporately, and the biblical mandate that we're given to come together corporately in unified worship of Christ our Lord. We could say that that's a category, an outward discipline, right? So today, we're going to continue there with another outward discipline. And what we're going to focus on is the discipline of making disciples through personal evangelism and intentional discipleship. So before we dive in uh, and hear the word that God has for us this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. God, Holy Lord, Spirit over all, Lord, we rest in knowing that you are our God, the one that we follow. Father, the one in which we have an identity and a purpose through your saving grace. God, what an opportunity we have to come together and just proclaim you, to worship you, to sing about you, to give in your name. Father, what a privilege it is to know you. Lord, I pray that your spirit would go forward in our time together, that you would open our hearts and minds as we look deeper into the directive that you've given to us to go and intentionally support others in their relationship with you. Father, we give this time to you in adoration, Father, in acknowledgement, and pure joy. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. So when I say personal evangelism and intentional discipleship, it probably brings about some imagery in your mind, right? Making disciples. You know, for some, it could be, hey, I see this as a, like a methodical approach, right? To which we would go, we'd knock on doors, and we would ask this series of questions that would lead Uh, individuals to a special prayer. Maybe that's an image that comes to your mind. Or maybe when I say intentional discipleship, it brings about images of thankfulness, right? Of those that throughout our lives have poured into us from the time we were toddlers all the way up to even now of supporting us in our relationship with Christ. For others, just my mic here, I'm puffing a bit. For others, you may be saying, Brad, what is personal evangelism, right? Does that even apply to me? I can go ahead and address point three. It does. If you're a follower of Christ, it absolutely does. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But the reality is um, all of us um, should be engaged in personal evangelism and intentional discipleship. So what, what are we talking about when I use those terms? Hey, two quick explanations here. Personal evangelism, quite simply, is sharing what Christ has done for us, sharing what Christ has done for others to those around us, right? It's sharing, quite simply, that God loves them, right? And what he has done for them and the desire he has to have a relationship, a personal relationship with them. What 
God has done for us and for others, sharing that with those around us. Intentional discipleship, well, quite simply, it's supporting others, right? Through unconditional love and attention of support to others around us and helping them go deeper in their relationship with God, helping them to have a fuller understanding of the character of God and the doctrines that's represented by God. And as a result, their life being further impacted as a result of that knowledge and that deeper relationship. Intentional discipleship. So let's take a look at Scripture. Where does this come from? Brad, are you just making this up? No, that's, that wouldn't be the case. Let's take a look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Please turn there if you have a copy of God's Word in your digital device or a, a print copy. Uh, it will be uh, demonstrated uh, here on the screen as well if you do not. For some of you, as you turn to it, if you have a print copy, uh, chances are you'll see a subtitle above this passage that says, The Great Commission, right? Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't know that I've viewed a print copy in the past that doesn't have that subtitle above this passage, and that's for a reason, and we'll see that here in a moment. So let me set this up. We're going to dive into these scriptures here, and we're going to take it verse by verse in a moment. But let me bring us up to speed of where we're at before we read these words that Jesus has for his disciples. You see, up until this point, Jesus has come into the world in a physical form, right? God in a physical form, known as Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has come into the world with an ultimate mission. And that mission is to ultimately give his life as a sacrifice for us, the atonement of sin, so that we might have a relationship with him once again, right? As was originally conceived by him when he brought Adam and Eve and placed them on the earth, when he formed man for the very first time. That was his goal. That's, he knew that's where God was going to take him, right? And so through that process, though, he initiates a relationship with 12 individuals, more so, right, but really focused on 12 close relationships in which he pours into them. He reveals himself to them. They under, seem to begin to understand the mission that he has through his interaction with them. He teaches about himself and the character through various stories and his interaction with those around them, right? Through that, they see him minister physically, and spiritually to numerous individuals, right? And see, toward the end of this, then, he tells them, look, I'm not always going to be here, but I will be with you. I will reside through the Holy Spirit within you. I will reside, and I will continue to be a guide and a counselor to you. But in the interim, what happens? He goes to the cross, right? He fulfills that mission, that particular mission, in giving his life. And three days later, he raises up, right? which signifies his divine authority over all, over all, right? Without the resurrection, there would be no ministry up until that point, right? Because it wouldn't matter. He would just be another person that gave his life. But he is resurrected. And with that, we see the fulfillment, the true fulfillment holistically about who God is. Well, he has several interactions with the disciples, which leads us up to this point. He basically says, look, for you, 11, 12 minus 1, right? Judas has taken his own life. So for the remaining 11, he says, look, I want you to go to this mountain in Galilee. Go to the mountaintop, and I'm going to meet you there, and I've got some important words for you to share. Here's where we're at. Verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things 
all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus finishes, practically finishes his time on earth with this directive to his followers. And then he departs. These are the last words he spoke in the books of Matthew and Mark. Last words. The last remaining directive, the last final thoughts that he left with his disciples before he was taken and sent into heaven. We are disciples of Christ. This is the directive that is given, given to us. So let's break this down. Verse 18. Some perspectives that we can draw from this. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. First off, in verse 18, before he gave the directive or the command, he declared who he was. He said, I have authority over all, over all kings, over rulers, over princes, over kingdoms, over it all. It's all my creation. I created it all. I'm over it all. And out of this authority, I am giving you this directive to go and make disciples. You see, until we fully embrace the authority of Christ, the authority of the one who has given it to us, we're always going to be lukewarm to the fact of going and making disciples, right? But when we realize that it is the authority of the one who gives it, that is what prioritizes the directive Without this authority, it would be just another suggestion on our to-do list, right? It would be go buy groceries, clean out the inbox, right? Feed the kids and make disciples if you have time at the end. But that's not the way it is, right? From the authority, from authority over all, it becomes the directive that we have in life. It becomes the common thread that it connects through all our circumstances in life, the authority of Christ. But in 19, verse 19, let's read that. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. The emphasis is making disciples, right? It's to make disciples. But it's easily, if we look at go and make disciples or go to all nations and make disciples, we could either say, hmm, that may not pertain to me, right? I think this just means those who are kind of petition to go maybe to Africa on a mission trip, right? It does say all nations, implying outward, right? But if you look at the Greek and the word go, it can be translated basically as you go. So the reality is this is speaking to opportunities we may have to go to Africa on a trip. It may have an opportunity to go to Chicago on a short-term trip. But it also is a reality of embracing going and making disciples every day of our lives, as we go. So the answer is really all of the above, right? It's all of the above, but the emphasis is not going. It's on making disciples in verse 19. Let's look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end. It's interesting how Jesus says all things. It's quite intentional, right? Because if we were to skip or remove the word all in verse 20, we could just say, hey, well, maybe it's just a quick point where I say, hey, do you know Jesus? Or just this one-time engagement with someone in which we never come back to that, right? But Jesus intentionally says, teach them all things that I have commanded you. All implies 
fully an understanding of the character of God as it's revealed in his scripture, right? It implies reoccurring engagement, reoccurring support, ongoing love, and intentionality in engaging others. The word all wasn't there, right? It would imply maybe, hey, it's just setting up a, a, um, a coffee time with you, know, with a buddy, and I, I'm going to meet with you, and hey, while we're together, uh, I'll bring my Bible, and uh, during our 30 minutes, I'll just overview the 66 books of the Bible, and uh, I'll just give you a quick perusal of the doctrines it contains, and you'll be good to go, right? Done. Coffee. We're out of here. It's not that, right? We all know in following Christ, he reveals to us through the Holy Spirit fuller and fuller understanding of his character as we go deeper in our relationship with him. And the reality is to help people go deeper in their relationship with Christ, it takes time. And it takes ongoing uh, engagement and support of others around us. I'll offer you three perspectives regarding intentional discipleship and personal evangelism. Number one is this. Sharing our faith requires intentionality and discipline. Intentionality and discipline. It's easy to get caught up in our circumstances, right, and lose sight of this ultimate directive that we have been given, right? But we must be committed with intentionality to engaging others. Trillia Newble says this. She's an author, written several books, great Christian author. She says this about discipleship. Discipleship can take on many forms. It can be as simple as inviting someone into your kitchen for fellowship to organizing a normally scheduled lunch. However it may look, it involves honesty, seeking advice, and scripture, and someone willing to do all of the above. You see, we must embrace the go, right? When Christ said go and make disciples, he didn't give us some methodology or model to use, right? He didn't say, okay, set a reoccurring coffee time with someone, right? Or he, he, he didn't say, just, just knock on doors at random. There was no defined model or way to do it. He just said, look, know this. Your role is to be obedient and to go and engage others. And I, the Holy Spirit, I residing in you, will work through you to draw men and women to myself. That's cool, isn't it? And when you think about it, quite honestly, I'm overwhelmed that the God of the universe, the God of the universe would choose me, right? As Paul says, the chief of sinners and all my junk through my obedience and just going and engaging with people that he would work through me to draw men and women to himself, right? Got to be clear, David said a couple of weeks ago, we don't do the work of saving, right? That, That is the work of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone. That that takes some relief off, right? But we are called to be obedient and to go and engage other people. In order to go and engage, though, we have to understand what a disciple looks like, right? There's this belief in the American church that a disciple of Christ is different from a follower of Christ. But the reality is this. Just as he spoke to the 11 disciples in the Great Commission, in commissioning them, we are his disciples as well as followers of Christ. Characteristics of a disciple. Here's a few. A disciple has a personal relationship with the teacher. In order to 
embrace this directive. We have to understand the person to which we have a relationship with, right? We, 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 we can't be motivated or, or be compelled. Uh, usually we're not by individuals that we quite honestly don't know, right? But take someone, a person of influence in our life and that influence coming about through a personal relationship with them, that's when we become compelled. Also, a disciple recognizes the authority of the teacher. A true disciple, right? And we've talked about that before. But through that personal relationship, we must realize that this directive we've been given as disciples comes through the one with the ultimate authority overall. Next, uh, a disciple possesses the character of the teacher. As we recognize the authority through an ongoing personal relationship with them, we will begin to possess the character, right? This outward shell, this body in which Christ Jesus in spirit form is residing, our physical actions begin to demonstrate the character of the one who is in us, who is in us. And then lastly, a disciple must be prepared to suffer for the teacher. The easy example that comes to mind is Paul, right? In his many uh, letters to the, the various churches in the New Testament, he talks about his suffering. He talks about the challenging circumstances that he is navigating. But he goes on to say, hey, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He also says, I have come to be confident and content in all things, right, in all things, right? Paul talks about them, imprisonment, beating, beatings, shipwrecks, right, uh, eventual martyrdom that takes place with him. But he had come to see his circumstances for what they really were. No matter how good, no matter how bad, they were circumstances that God had placed him in so that he could be a light to those that he was around, right? So the Holy Spirit could work through him to impact lives and draw people to himself. Dallas Willard, love this quote by Dallas Willard. He is... Uh, going to be with Jesus now. He's no longer living, uh, but when he was here on this earth. He was a philosophy professor at USC. He uh, worked a tremendous ministry in which he spoke truth into a secular environment, but he said this about discipleship, a dis or a disciple. A disciple is a person who has decided that the most important thing in their life is to learn how to do what Jesus said to do. A disciple is not a person who has things under control, or knows a lots of things. Disciples simply are people who are constantly revising their affairs to carry through on their decision to follow Jesus. We don't have to have it all together, right? We, we, don't, we, we, we don't have to know all of the knowledge of the Bible, right? Or be able to recite 50 verses. We just have to be willing to go. And if we are obedient, Christ will work through us. Well, I've got to move here because my time's getting short, but let's look at a second perspective I want to share with you, and that's sharing the gospel is a divine appointment. Sharing the gospel is a divine appointment. Let's look at Acts 8, 26 through 40. Acts 8, 26 through 40. This is the, uh, the very well-known story of, of Philip and his engagement of an individual, um, an Ethiopian eunuch, um, and how through his obedience, Christ uses Philip. So let's take a look at that. Acts 8, 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
this is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official, Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. She had come to Jerusalem to worship, or he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. And the Spirit of the Lord said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran. I found that interesting. He didn't walk. He ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So as the, the former radio, powerful radio, uh, radio commentary would say, and the rest of the story is, we know, that Philip explained the scriptures to him, and the Ethiopian put his faith in Christ, and as a result, asked Philip to baptize him on the spot, which is pretty incredible, right? And if you go beyond even scriptures itself, Ethiopia to this day has a large Christian population, right, that can be traced all the way back, which is pretty cool to this instance. But let's look at what we see here. Ultimately, what we see is Philip's obedience, right? Philip is hanging out, and the Holy Spirit prompts him and says, I want you to go to this remote area south of Jerusalem, this desert place. I just want you to go. And so he goes. So he goes. And it's there that Christ reveals the next step or the next area that he wants to use him. There happens to be this gentleman, and the Spirit prompts him to engage and he does. And as a result, the Holy Spirit draws this individual to himself, to a personal relationship with him. What was Philip's role? He was just obedient. He just went. And when the, and when the gentleman said, look, I, I'm having trouble understanding scriptures. Can you help me out? He said, sure. He was obedient, and God used him we have to realize, and we see this is tremendous here, we see that Philip, through his obedience, glorified God. And we see as a result, we saw this gentleman came to know Christ, but that Philip received incredible joy of knowing that God had used him. It's the same way for us today. That is a source of joy for us in the Christian life, is to know that the maker of the universe is using us to forward his kingdom forward. Is that not awesome? Can we just give God a, a round of applause? I mean, that's, I mean, if there's anything, yeah. If there's anything to be excited about and to receive joy from, it is that. In order to seize opportunities that we're given, just like Philip did here, we've got to see our circumstances for what they truly are, right? So it's not just about negotiating more dollars from the car salesman, right? It's about recognizing that God gave us this specific need for a vehicle that led us to this specific dealership that led us to this specific salesman so that we may shine for him. It's not about what we may perceive as a dead-end job, but the fact of realizing that God has us in this place at this time so that we can be a light and we can engage our coworkers around us. You see, it's even not about coming to cross point because we enjoy the singing and, and the activities here. It, it is, but it's really about realizing that God has drawn us to himself, right? And then led us to this particular group of believers 
so that we might worship corporately together, but to support one another in going deeper in their relationship with Christ. You see, we have to see our circumstances in life truly for what they are, that God is sovereignly in control of all circumstances, but he is using us in every circumstance to forward his kingdom forward. Look, in instances we may see it, right? We may be like Philip. We may have the opportunity to discuss with someone directly a personal relationship with Christ and then accept Christ right there as Lord and Savior of their life. Other instances, I would, I would say probably many, we will never know this side of glory what those are, right? But I can tell you, one day when I'm before the throne of God, face to face in glory, I don't know that that will even be on my mind at that point, right? It will be the Lord and his glory and his glory alone at that time. Hey, a third perspective I'll give you as well, as uh, the minutes are counting down rather quickly, uh, is that as disciples of Christ, that we must be on mission 365 days a year. On mission 365 days a year. It's not just weekends or it's not Sundays only. We're off the rest of the week. It is the fact that we're on mission 365 days a year, quite honestly, because the Holy Spirit in us is on mission 365 days a year, right? So our company obedience with the Holy Spirit should be on all the time. We must press on. As Paul says, I will press on for the glory of Christ. We must see that every day that God gives us, that we awake and breathe in air on that particular day, that is an opportunity that we will be on mission for him, right? And every single day that he gives us a breath on this earth, we'll be on mission until he calls us up and our time here is done. We must embrace. You see, I love this quote by Will McRaney Jr. The Art of a Personal Evangelism is the book to which this quote comes out of. This is it. Our objective is not to see people make an intellectual agreement with facts. It is not enough to get decisions. We ultimately desire to develop disciples who are moving from being far from God to being in a dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. We desire for every people's life skills, their work habits, their family structures, their interpersonal relationships, and every other facet of life to be affected radically affected by Jesus Christ. We go 365 days a year. We go with intentionality and discipline. We go because this is the directive that we've been given. The action that flows out of the purpose that we have of glorifying Christ, which is given to us as a result of the identity we have Christ has given us. He's made us a new creation. You see, God, through his relationship with us, he desires to have a relationship with others through our relationship with them. I'll say it again. Through God's relationship with us, he desires to have a relationship with others through our relationship with them. I mean, that's what really community is about, right? I mean, that's what David, that's why he spoke on gathering last week. That's what we're about as a faith family here and helping one another go deeper in a relationship with Christ. It's what life groups are about. It's why we, we do life groups. It's community, right, in which we, through our relationships with one another, help each other go further in our relationship. 
2 Corinthians 5.17 says we are a new creation. It's the identity that we've been given. We are a new creation in Christ. For those who know him, the old is gone, the new has come. We have to ask ourselves, what is the new? What is the new of the new creation? Well, the new, quite simply, is the Holy Spirit in us. It is the Jesus that we read about. It is God who decided to come in physical form, in the form of man, as represented in Jesus Christ. It is that same spirit that now, instead of residing in a man on the earth, resides in us, in our hearts. That's what makes us a new creation. It's the Holy Spirit within us. Theoretically, if you take the Holy Spirit out, we would be the old again. There would be no change. But praise God that he has come to reside in us, to work through us, to advance his kingdom. You see the work of ministry in which he was advancing his kingdom that we read about in the Bible? We have to realize the same mission exists. He's doing exactly now what he was doing then. There's no change. The only change is, instead of doing it in a physical form of man, he's in our hearts and doing it through us. That, that is cool. Scripture tells us over and over again our identity, this identity that gives us purpose of glorifying God that fuels the action of making disciples. Genesis 1.26, we are the image bearers of God. Colossians 3.12, we are his chosen ones. 1 Peter 2.5, we are living stones in which he is using to build his church one stone at a time. We are the body of Christ. We are the physical representation on this life of what Christ is about. We are the hands and feet, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. We are the ambassadors of Christ. Ambassadors, if God was making his appeal through us, 2 Corinthians 5, 20. We are lights of the world, as if to be a city on a hill that cannot be dim. Words spoken by Christ himself in Matthew 5, 14. And we are his workmanship, created for good works in which he predestined for his glory. He predestined for the beginning of time that he would work through us individually to draw men to himself. We are his workmanship. This is who we are in Christ. This is our identity as Christ reveals to us in his written, infallible, and errant word. You see, it's when we embrace our identity that our purpose becomes front and center. Regardless of circumstances, the good or bad times, whatever we face in life, what is through that all is the purpose we have of glorifying him and the action that comes about from it, and that's making disciples. I've got to to go. Uh, As I told the first service, it's interesting, the clock here, uh, when you get to zero, it doesn't just stop at zero, it actually goes negative. So you begin to see the hole that you're actually digging, right, which is quite accountable. Um, so let me, let me stop here, but let me just issue this challenge to you. You know, the reality is 95 to 97%, this was experts say, 95 to 97% of those that are evangelical followers of Christ, those who say this directive was given that we've talked about today, 95 to 97% do not actively share their faith with others. It's sobering, right? We must be compelled to embrace and to go with intentionality and discipline. And the reality is, 
If we don't, we're probably going to see a scenario play out like played out many, many, many times in the Old Testament, right? And I'll give you one of those examples. It says in Judges 2.10, And all of that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. You see, through unconditional love, through our love of others, embracing what Christ has done through us, through unmerited grace to which he has given us, we engage others so that they might have a personal relationship with Christ. Not only those around us now, but for generations to come. That's what we're about here at Crosspoint. Making disciples. Spurring each other on in faith as we move to a deeper relationship with Christ. You know, but then there's the other side of the coin, right? There might be those who hear this directive and say, oh my, I hear the authority to which I've, I've been given or from which it's flowed and, and now do I need to raise my hand for every single mission opportunity? Huh? Do I need to be a part of every single service opportunity here at Crosspoint? Do I need to start every single sentence with everyone I engage with, do you know Jesus? I would say the answer would be no, right? We have to be very careful that if we go to the other extreme, we begin to embrace a legalistic approach, one that's wrapped in a performance mentality. So when we find ourselves in that place, typically it only leads to frustration, right? We become just worn out that we can't perform or do what we've been called to do. But it's not like that at all. You see, in, in the Gospels, we see that Christ ministered to numerous people, both physically and spiritually. But on the cross... He said what? He said, it is finished, right? He said it is finished despite not ministering to every single individual that engaged him, right? He realized, though, that he had fulfilled the mission that God had given them. So we must pursue Christ and be discerning in how he wants us to particularly engage others in making disciples. You know, this is foundational. This is foundational, right? I mean, even with the Ethiopian eunuch, I marveled. I marveled that God would use me. I mean, he's the creator of the universe, right? He can draw men and women to himself however he wants to. He certainly did not need us to do that, right? He could have said, look, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to initiate a personal relationship with you, right, through your faith, and then you, know, you can just sit here and chill out and be happy, right? I and he, and he could continue on to draw people to him without our, our involvement. But the reality is, he chose to do this. That's why he came to initiate a personal relationship for his glory, for his glory, so that we can be used by him through his residing in our hearts. Through his residing in our hearts. The title of the message today, I don't know if I even gave it to you. It's uh, Don't Neglect to Go. Not good timing, right? Right at the end to tell you what the message is about. I understand, but don't neglect to go. May we fully embrace this opportunity to be used as a vessel and a light. May we embrace our full identity in which he has given. May we, may we delight, delight in knowing, regardless of the circumstances that we face in life, we are being used and we are being used now that will only lead up to an eternity with our Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. 
Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And, and after we pray, obviously we're going to have a time here. And I'm, I'm well over, but I, I'll just say this. We're going to have this time, and it's a time where we just worship, can worship God. We can interact with him. Uh, perhaps, you know, for you, it, it could be that, you know, it's, it's a time of thanksgiving uh, in which you just say, God, thank you for bringing me to yourself and using me to advance your kingdom. Maybe, you know, it's a time of, of kind of repentance where you say, I, look, I realize that I've, I've gotten caught up in the circumstances, right? They've, be, they've become the ends, um, whereas they're right out really the, the, the ends, they're, they're only the means, and the end is making disciples. And I've kind, of, I've kind of lost sight of that. Lord, I confess this before you, but Father, give me courage. Give me peace that I may move forward with intentionality. Or maybe you're here and, and you know, I've talked a lot about a personal relationship with Christ and, and what he wants to do with us. And, and maybe you're, you know, just thinking to yourself, I don't know that I have a personal relationship. What does that look like? Well, let me tell you, I, there will be individuals down here front that would love to talk and visit with you more about what a personal relationship with Christ looks like. So let us go to the Lord in prayer, and just during this time, let us engage the mighty God, the God that is over all in this time. Pray with me if you would. Holy Father, we, uh, we come to you during this time, Lord, and uh, realizing that you have given us an incredible opportunity. You've given us an identity. You've given us a purpose. Whereas no purpose existed before, whereas we were here just meandering through life circumstances, you invaded our lives and our souls with your spirit. Father, as we come to put our trust in you and faith, you have given us a divine purpose. Father, and out of that, Lord, we have the opportunity to be obedient to the commission that you've given and engaging those around us. Lord, we are ever grateful. But Father, may we not forget that we are no longer a slave. We are a child of yours. Lord, let us let that be our, our song. Let that be our inspiration. Let you be our focus. It's in the holy name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.